right. Welcome, everybody, back to the Me and a Mike podcast. I want to thank all of y'all for continuing to support the podcast as we put out new and different content. In the words of the great philosopher Timbaland, it's been a long time and I shouldn't have left you without a dope podcast to listen to. I'm sorry, y'all, but it's a pandemic. It's just been crazy going on. I've been going back and forth between Michigan and Pennsylvania. And in the midst of all that, I've kind of been focusing more on the blog itself and our boutique um, and everything and me and my mom's business. So the one thing that I've been hearing the most from everybody is that you want the podcast to come back. So um, I had been putting out a lot of YouTube videos and I had been turning those into MP4s to post on the podcast, which some people definitely responded to. They liked the, the idea of being able to have a visual medium and also the auditorial medium, just in case they're in the car or something like that and they can't actually watch the YouTube video. Um, but again, the biggest request that I get from everybody is we want to just sit and hear you talk. Not necessarily something completely scripted, but we just want to listen to you talk about something. But for whatever reason, I haven't been too concerned with like things going on in the world. And that's probably because we all have stuff. We all got shit going on in the world right now, right? Like people are unemployed. You know, people are getting evicted from their homes. There's a lot going on. The political atmosphere, the racial divide right now, it's it's that we're like DEFCON 2 right now. <laughs> and it's a little heavy for everybody. Um, so I'm trying not to focus too, too much on that. And I've been needing an escape. And so lately my escape has been movies and TV shows. I've probably seen literally every single thing not every single thing, but most of the things that Netflix has to offer. I'm probably their biggest supporter as well as all of you right now. I have downloaded maybe three or four extra streaming services since the shutdown began. I've got Tubi, I've got Peacock. I, I don't know about this Quibi thing. I gotta look into it a little bit more, but listen, that's all I'm doing right now. We're all stuck in the house. So my thing is trying not to get fat again. <laughs> and just watching anything that I can consume. And for whatever reason lately, I've just been consuming some of my favorite genre. And if you guys don't know me that way, you guys probably know me if you definitely, if you read the blog a lot. Um, but for me, I'm really into scary movies. I know that's kind of weird, right? Like usually people think of girls as like, oh, you want to go to like rom-coms and you want to watch like Katherine Heigl get swept off her feet by like Gerard Butler. Like, nah, I'm good. Like give me some, somebody chasing you through a city with a knife or something like that. Give me a mystery to solve. Those are the type of movies that I enjoy the most. I enjoy the horror genre probably the most. Uh, and I would say like, psychological thrillers suspense movies right up top there as well so think of like a um the exorcist is horror genre but like a thriller suspense would be something like hannibal or like a seven something like that where you got to think there's still some horror elements to it there's some death there's some destruction but it's more in your mind you got to think your way through it so those are my favorite favorite types of movies but for whatever reason lately I've been really really focusing on the horror genre and I've been kind of going back to some favorites that I liked when I was younger and I noticed that whenever I'm revisiting something especially now I either appreciate it more the older I've gotten and with a second or third look at it and especially now that I've, I've kind of I'm like a geek I sit and watch YouTube videos breaking down and reviewing all the cinematic elements of like all of my favorite movies. So now I have like different insights on like camera angles and why is it lit 
this particular way and why that character stand facing this corner instead of the other corner so just little all these little tiny elements have made me appreciate and just go back and kind of enjoy these films in a different way some of them i actually enjoy more now that i'm watching them as an older as an older person as an older person now that i'm watching them now that i'm older um and some of them i'm just like now nah, you you was trash then you're trash now or i liked it when i was younger and now it's trash something has shifted within me so the biggest biggest thing and for whatever reason this one kind of spoke to me out the most and since october is spooky month i thought hey let's do some podcast series around some scary movies and october is also which is probably why I like scary stuff a lot. So my mom always says I was born in October. Queens, Queens are born in October. Just, just in case you didn't know. Queens are also Libras. So sorry to all the rest of y'all Zodiacs out there, but Libras, yeah, we got it on top. Um, so because I was born in October, <laughs> I think that's the reason why I kind of gravitate more towards like scary stuff. Like it, it takes a lot to actually scare me. Like literally a whole lot. Like I'm one of those weird people that will put on like, I don't know, like Nightmare on Elm Street to go to sleep at night. Like just so I have like something playing in the background. Like I'm that weird person. Like right now, today, I've been working at my computer in my office and I've been playing seven. I, I just finished watching 13 Ghosts while I was writing my notes down for this particular podcast. I'm just that person. I'm weird. I don't know. I like to watch people make YouTube videos on how they react to watching like The Omen and The Exorcist because I'm weird like that. <laughs> um shout out to um one of my other moms out there miss g she um my birthday just passed and she gave me like a whole exorcist gift bag it was awesome i got a cup i got magnets i got a funko pop i got keychains i got socks I got exorcist socks y'all i actually posted a couple pictures of what i got on the blog so go ahead and check that out i am going to do that so go ahead and check that out at mickeyjking.com i'm just going to put that on the main home page so you guys can see it under the life section um but thank you so much for that but it just kind of brings me back to like all my favorite scary movies now for whatever reason i've been kind of drawn to this i feel like it was like kismet because now they've announced that there's going to be another film in the series um but i've been revisiting the screen series lately yeah see see that's why every time i do a podcast or I, I start writing a blog about scary movies i start hearing weird shit in my house i don't know what that was but we're gonna keep on going <laughs> mia's got a letter opener and a pair of scissors she ain't playing no games around here um so i've been watching the scream series a lot lately um and i've literally revisited i rewatched all four movies and then I made my boyfriend watch them all with me because he had literally never, never seen a Scream movie, which was like mind boggling to me. But he actually really liked them. And then I just kind of came across, I guess it's true. At first, I thought it was one of those weird hoaxy things that's always on YouTube. Um, apparently, there's going to be a Scream 5 coming out. I don't know how I feel about that, but maybe we'll talk about that a lot more at the end of our series. So I'm probably going to break these out into different podcasts for the different movies. And of course, there's four movies right now in the Scream franchise. Um, and again, I kind of share my thoughts on how I feel about this new maybe installment that's coming. I think they said in 2021, if they're able to shoot it. Um, so let's talk about the very, very first Scream. 
So the very, very first Scream came out in 1996. So this is considered an American slasher film. And it was directed by a horror icon himself, Wes Craven. Oh, before I get started, um, I guess you should already realize this, but spoiler alert. Duh. Anyway, Scream came out in 1996. It's considered an American slasher film directed by the horror icon of Wes Craven. And when I say he's a horror icon, I mean, he is a, a horror and I'm not even going to say horror icon. I'm just going to say a film icon. Nah, he's a horror icon, but he's, he's definitely a film icon. So he's done everything, but he's most, most, most famous for not even just the Scream series. He directed and I think wrote nah just directed he directed and helped produce um pretty much all of the screen movies um but the one thing that he's really really known for really really known for is a nightmare on elm street um he pretty much created those characters like the character of freddy krueger is literally all of his doing we would not have freddy krueger if it was not for wes craven um he's been in the horror genre and the film genre for years and years and years he brought us not only a nightmare on elm street he brought us scream um he brought us last house on the left um and this is the original the last house on the left the hills have eyes swamp thing um the people under the stairs um almasa out of the fence vampire in brooklyn which probably wasn't one of the most uh, groundbreaking <laughs> of his films <laughs> aside from having a main black cast um and even red eye um that came out in 2005 his final film was actually scream 4 and he died a few years after that and he actually never he always said that he wanted to do a scream 5 and he kind of even gave like little breadcrumbs or tidbits of what it would include whose story it would follow but of course he never got to see that fruition as he died after scream 4 um was shot and completed so whatever they come up with it will not be Wes Craven it will be the only Scream film where Wes Craven did not direct it so R.I.P. to a horror legend out there to a big to a big Wes Craven anywho coming back to Scream so again Scream came out in 1996 the one thing that you really want to know and this is what made Scream if you didn't know if you've never seen it before um I was I'm gonna tell on myself I was 10 years old when this movie came out and I remember not necessarily going to see it right then but I remember watching the movie at home um well I kind of snuck and watched it like with my older cousins and stuff because you know parents go out grandparents go out hey watch them they just put they do whatever they want to do and just say hey don't kill yourself while you're in my care um, so I ended up watching this at a very young age. I was terrified of this film. You understand me? I was literally terrified of Ghostface. <laughs> terrified. Terrified. But I think it's really kind of interesting how Scream, like, I remember Scream being a huge deal. I remember when it came out and, like, nobody really cared about it. But, like, after it premiered in the movie theaters, it was, like, this huge, huge thing. Like, think of... I wouldn't say necessarily as big as like Avengers. Nah, it, it was kind of like that. Like I remember like it was huge. And the more films they came out with, the huger it got. It was kind of like the building of the MCU universe. And 
I didn't really realize it until I got older, but Scream completely changed the horror genre. This was the first film of its kind and for very specific reasons why it was so different. So a few things is, is what made Scream stand out amongst all the other slasher films and it completely transformed the genre. And you can see the legacy that it left in all the films that came after it. So the first thing is the killer itself. So usually in slasher movies, and we're talking about things like um, Halloween, we're talking about Nightmare on Elm Street, we're talking about, you know, Friday the 13th. When it came to all of those movies, and it came to the killer in particular, the killer was always one person. They were always some lone ranger just kind of working. And there was always some sort of uh, supernatural kind of element to it. it it had an element of fantasy to it right so you think about um jason from friday the 13th right not necessarily that it started off being supernatural but after that with all the other subsequent films i mean jason never dies he gets shot he gets thrown off buildings he gets set on fire but he keeps on coming back um you you look at a michael again he didn't start off as a supernatural he's a little boy that killed his that killed his sister but throughout the movies and stuff he's just this weird he walks around nobody sees him until he's ready for you to see him he, you know he's stalking he's walking real slow but he always catches up to somebody who's running it was just ridiculous you know what i mean it's just like all these supernatural elements and especially like a freddy krueger right i mean this is somebody a killer that's literally haunting you in your dreams so there's no actual it's not necessarily grounded too too much in reality um and the the idea of course at the time is just to paint and to entertain you at the time um, but audiences were not as desensitized as we are now so it didn't take much to scare the 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 shit out of somebody who was going to see a friday the 13th it's kind of funny now like when i watch these movies now um i think like the last otis movie maybe i saw was maybe the original halloween though and i think it came out in like 1978 or something like that and when i say it's the most ridiculous just just classically corny horror movie ever like the the scares are not scares anymore like I, I remember when it came out the new it and and preparation for it because I was terrified of it when I was younger as well it came out as a like a television mini series when we were younger and I remember watching it when I was younger and it scared the bejesus out of me I was never a kid that was a afraid of clowns even after it though the clown thing didn't stick with me but just that movie stuck with me um but like i rewatched it as an adult right before the the new version of the first it came out and i was really laughing the whole time i remember my parents laughing i remember my mom laughing like <laughs> the clown is crazy i'm like what the fuck is wrong with you <laughs> like, like this is terrifying i'm terrified i'm gonna piss on myself like are you kidding me and now i look back and i have the exact same reaction that they had when i was younger i literally laugh at it because we're so desensitized and we're used to like these huge grand special effects and we're used to you know what I mean a lot more practical ways and a lot more gore and all that other stuff we're just used to that now and so it takes a lot more to kind of affect audiences now so Scream upended all of that and again the big part of it was the killer so you didn't have like this you know one entity in every single film there's probably like 35 Nightmare on Elm Streets I want to say there's like eight different remakes of Halloween. There's probably 25 different Friday the 13th and it's always the same killer. You all, you know, when you go to Friday the 13th, who the person that they're running from is, 
You never know who it is in a Scream movie. And it's different from one film to the next. So that was the first thing is the killer. Not even just the killer. It's, it, Scream kind of made their movie a murder mystery. And that was part of the fun and what made it so entertaining to watch. Is that while you were watching the movie, you were trying to, as an audience member, kind of see, all right, that looks suspicious. Why were you there? How'd you just pop up? Why do you have a cell phone? And so you were kind of taken on this ride, not just of watching this movie along with these characters, you know, jumping when they jump, getting scared when they get scared, but you're trying to piece together the puzzle and trying to figure out, well, who is the killer? Who is running around in this costume, stabbing everybody to death? So that was the main thing is that one, you never knew who the killer was. And two, he wasn't this supernatural entity. They were always just regular people running around stabbing people, which in effect is a lot more scarier than something like, you know, a Friday the 13th. You know, we could argue about some giant, huge guy walking around with a machete and a and a, a hockey mask is, is definitely scary. I, I got you. I hear you. I, I hear you. But at the same time, just some some guy you you know you went to school with or some girl over here or some guy you know over here or something that's just like psycho and running around stabbing people like that's real we see that shit on the news every single day so it had an element of reality that a lot of the other films necessarily didn't have now you do still have some stupid horror shit that goes on but that takes me to the next step of why scream was just so, so completely different from all the rest of the horror movies of the time is the characters themselves scream was very aware of itself by this time in horror there was like a formula to it you know what i mean it was kind of like putting together a, a a boy band you know what i mean you always had to have the hot one you always had to have the heartthrob you always had to have the bad boy you always had to have the the good guy you know it was like putting together like in sync or the backstreet boys with like that formula that they always use you know what i mean you always have to have some weird supernatural killer that's walking around stalking people the girl some girl is gonna run and trip over nothing and then she's gonna sit there and say oh no mr killer don't kill me and she's gonna get killed anyway and at the end there's gonna be one girl that's gonna be the final girl there's always a uh, an algorithm if you would to all of these slasher movies and all of these horror movies no matter who it was no matter if it was dracula no matter if it was a werewolf no matter if it was jason or michael myers it was always pretty much kind of like the same thing different settings pretty much the same thing so we were either at camp crystal lake or we were in you know the town of Derry, maine you know for it this one was completely different the characters not only were a lot smarter <laughs> than their older counterparts um but they've watched those same scary movies these same scary movies like the friday the 13th of the world the halloweens they exist in the scream universe and they're aware of it just like we as the audience are they know what the final girl is. They know what the rules are for surviving a horror movie. They have all of those elements in front of them and they use that and they constantly are referring to them throughout every single one of the movies. So it's almost kind of like watching, <laughs> it's almost kind of like watching a scary movie and a YouTube review of a scary movie, like all at the same time, because you're getting them all that meta conversation that they have, that self-awareness of, you know, scary movies and, you know what what this means and what does that mean and who's gonna survive and if you have sex you're gonna die all that stuff is in the movie so i do appreciate that they do still have the stupid stuff in there but it's really really interesting to see these characters they're not as one-dimensional 
as their previous counterparts. Well, I can't literally tell you anything about any of the characters in any of those Friday the 13th movies, except for like usually who the final girl was. And usually I, I can't remember her name either. Like I remember Nancy. I don't even remember, honestly. Oh, and Lori from Halloween, of course. Of course. You always remember the final girl, usually. But honestly, it, it's, it's, I don't know. It was just always so, it, it seemed like the people were just there to be murdered. That's all their purpose was. You didn't know anything about them. You didn't know what their hopes and their dreams and their passions were, what their fears were. You just knew that they were going to die by the end of the movie. And at least one of them, maybe two, but at least one of them was going to survive. Okay. Um, the feel of the movie as well. So again, that, that realness of it you didn't have anybody that was supernatural that was doing that was flying or doing anything crazy like that the settings were always super real you were at a high school you were at somebody's house you were on a college campus you were here you were always in like these super real settings in the super real way you know we could talk about like how creepy it is to be like out in the middle of the woods like at a camp crystal lake for friday the 13th and people do go camping people do go to summer camp but again, we're talking about just like your everyday neighborhoods. There's nothing crazy about this. It's not, you know, Halloween where you expect something crazy to happen on Halloween. It's literally just random Tuesday afternoon and somebody got murdered like at three o'clock <laughs> while we were watching Judge Judy. It was so grounded in realism. And again, that's what made the, the movie so entertaining. Um, so let's talk about the very, very first scream. So again, the very, very first scream. And this is something that I kind of like. I think Nightmare on Elm Street was the first one the first movie that i kind of ran across where i could call it dark comedy and you guys know what dark comedy is it's a horror movie i mean they're talking about they're making jokes about like killing and gore and murder and all this other stuff so this is definitely an entry um i love freddy krueger he's probably like one of my favorite characters like in the horror genre just because he had such he had a personality you know what i mean like michael never says anything Jason never says anything I think we've seen both of their faces once we don't even know what they look like because they wear masks Freddie is just out he's here he's proud he gonna talk about you he gonna talk shit about you while he slice you open he's got one-liners he's got funny quips Robert England is a legend playing Freddy Krueger um, so this is definitely a part of that as well. So the characters, because they're so aware, a lot of the lines, the one-liners, the zingers, they're kind of built into that whole scary movie trope, kind of, which I really, really, really love. So again, Scream is definitely one of my favorite scary movies just because it just completely upended the genre and it holds well, like it, it dated well. I mean, again, this movie came out in 1996. It's 2020 right now and it's still entertaining to watch. There are times, nah, probably only one. There's sometimes, you know, it's been a long time. You don't remember like every scare. You remember all the kills and stuff, but you don't remember like every time somebody like jumped out of a closet or something. There was actually times where re-watching this just like a, a few weeks ago where I actually jumped like, oh, oh, I forgot he was around that corner. Oh, and I've actually seen Scream like a few times, not just once when it came out and once now. I've probably seen it maybe like 15 times. I'm probably going to watch it next week again. <laughs> I'm probably going to watch all the Scream movies for Halloween. So let's kind of get into the plot. So high school student Casey Becker receives a flirty phone call from an unknown person during which they discover horror movies. However, the caller turns sadistic and threatens her life. 
He reveals that her boyfriend, Steve, has been held hostage and demands that she answers questions about horror films. After Casey gets one wrong, Steve is murdered. When Casey refuses to answer more questions, she's murdered by a mass killer. Her parents come home shortly after to find her corpse hanging from a tree. The following day, the news media descend on the town and a police investigation begins. Meanwhile, Sydney Prescott struggles with the impending first anniversary of her mother's Maureen's murder by her lover, Cotton Weary. While waiting at home for her friend Tatum, Sydney receives a threatening phone call. After she hangs up, she's attacked by the killer in her house but manages to evade him. Sydney's boyfriend, Billy, arrives shortly after. But after he drops his cell phone, Sydney suspects him of making the call and flees. Billy is arrested and spends the night at Tatum's house where she receives another threatening call. The next day, Billy is released and suspicion shifts to Sydney's father, Neil, as the calls have been traced to his phone. School is suspended in the wake of the murders and after the students have left school, the killer stabs the principal, who's played by Dustin Hoffman, by the way, to death in his office. Tatum's boyfriend, Stu, throws a party to celebrate the school's closure. The party is attended by Sydney, Tatum, and their friend, Randy, who works at the video store, and many other students. Reporter Gail Weathers attends uninvited to cover the situation as she expects the killer to strike. Tatum's brother, Deputy Sheriff Dewey, also looks out for the murderer at the party. The killer corners Tatum in the garage and murders her by crushing her neck with the garage door. That was a brutal one, by the way. Billy arrives to, sp to speak to Sydney privately and the two ultimately ultimately consummate their relationship that means they was knocking boots y'all while dewey and gail investigate a nearby abandoned car many party attendees are drawn away after hearing the news of their principal's death leaving only sydney billy randy Stu, and gail's cameraman kenny after having sex nogging the boots sydney and billy are attacked by the killer um who kills billy sydney narrowly escapes from the house and seeks help from kenny but the killer slashes his throat Sydney flees again. Gail and Dewey, having discovered that the car belongs to Neil Prescott, return to the house. They believe that Neil is the killer and has come to the party to continue his spree. Gail continues, excuse me, Gail tries to escape in her van but drives <laughs> recklessly off the road to avoid hitting Sydney and crashes. Meanwhile, Dewey is stabbed in the back while investigating in the house and Sydney takes his gun. Stu and Randy appear and accuse each other of being the killer. And this is probably like the best part of the movie because I remember watching this with my older cousins and them just yelling at him, just fuck them both. And literally her line in the movie is fuck you both. And she slams the door in their face. Again, self-aware, smartest kids in a scary movie up to this point. Um, Billy ends up coming from down the stairs and he looks wounded. He's still alive. She gives Billy the gun. He lets Randy into the house and then shoots him. And Billy reveals that he fiend his injuries and is actually the killer with Stu as his accomplice. Billy and Stu discuss their plan to kill Sydney and frame the murder spree on her father, whom they have taken hostage. The pair also reveal that they murdered her mother and framed Cotton for it as she was actually having an affair with Billy's father, including Cotton, which drove his mother away. Gail, who survived the crash, intervenes and Sydney takes advantage of this turn to turn the tables on her attackers, knocking out Billy and dropping a television set on Stu's head. Randy is revealed to be wounded but alive and remarks that the killer always resurfaces for one last scare. Billy then awakens and attacks Sydney, but Gail shoots him. Sydney takes the gun and shoots Billy in the head, killing him for good. 
As the sun rises and police arrive, Dewey, badly injured but still alive, is taken away by the ambulance and Gail makes an impromptu news report about the night's events. Okay. That's the whole plot of the movie. And when I say when this came out, it kind of sounds like a like a regular like slasher movie like by today's standards. But again, this was completely groundbreaking at the time. So let's kind of break it down a little bit scene by scene. Let's take the very, very first piece of it. So that opening scene, like the first 10 minutes of Scream were like the craziest 10 minutes ever. And this is why. If you look at any of the promotional material for the movie Scream, you're going to see um, where they always have like the cast of characters. And usually, of course, when you're looking at the promos or you're looking at the, the, the movie posters, they usually only put the main cast on the movie posters. That's the whole point. Um, and so at the time, pretty much everybody, although we know the names of these people that play these characters now and they're really, really famous now. This was for a lot of them like their first movies or the, one of their first movies. Like these people were not known at all. So let's take a look at the cast itself because that kind of gives you an idea of how Scream began um, just kind of like breaking genres all over the place, right? Um, so let's look at the, the character of Sydney Prescott, who's like our main, for the most part, our main character. She's played by Nev Campbell. We know her definitely from Scream. We know her from one of my favorite movies, The Craft which they're coming out with a remake on. And I swear to God, I swear to God, Blumhouse, if you fuck this up, if you fuck this up, good God almighty. And it, I'll be honest with you. I'm going to do a podcast on it. I'm not, I'm not excited about it. It don't look good, but that may be, I may be prejudiced. I may be prejudiced because I'm in love with the original and I'm, I'm usually one of those people that's like, don't, don't fuck with it. Just, just leave it alone. Just let this, let this be its thing and let it be the only thing. And just let it become a classic that never gets redone. Just, just leave it be. But they, that they fucking with it. And again, with Blumhouse, you, you kind of got hits and misses. I mean, sometimes they'll hit you with a, a, a truth or dare or a fantasy island a trash. Sometimes they hit you with a, you know, a purge yeah, medium. Yeah. Then they hit you with something like a get out, you know, it's winning Oscars. So you never know what you're going to get. I hope this is more the Invisible Man versus, you know, Fantasy Island. But who, damn, who knows? Anywho. So again, Nev Campbell has been in, you know, Reefer Madness. She was in The Craft. We know Nev Campbell. Um, Courtney Cox is Gail Weathers. We definitely know Courtney Cox. Again, not just from Scream, but definitely from Friends. Her husband, David Arquette, plays Deputy Dewey. So definitely know his name. He's a part of that famous Arquette family as well. Matthew Lillard plays Stu. Uh, Matthew Lillard, you know him from, of course, Scream. You know him from 13 Ghosts. He was the psychic in 13 Ghosts. Um, you know him from the Scooby-Doo movies, which he was. There is no other Shaggy. There was no other person besides him and the original. Oh, who was it? Oh, he was somebody super famous. Oh, his name, didn't his name start with a D? Oh, it's going to bother me. I'll Google it later. But Matthew Lillard is definitely, I would honestly say he's probably my favorite character in the movie. Yeah, no, not, not maybe. Definitely Sydney. I mean, Sydney, of course, she, she's our, she's our chick, right? But honestly, Stu was, Stu gave me life in this movie. I can't lie. Rose McGowan is in this movie, which is kind of, it's kind of it's the word I'm looking for it's it's kind of weird to like see this movie now um 
with Rose McGowan in it just because you know um, just kind of moving forward she's actually the one that kind of helps to um, she didn't start the Me Too movement but she kind of kicked Tarana Burke started the Me Too movement but she kind of helped kick it into gear with the Hollywood with the the Harvey Weinstein situation um, so Rose McGowan is here she of course was in Charmed um, she was also in like movies like Jawbreaker so Rose McGowan plays Tatum, who is Sydney's best friend. Jamie Kennedy. We know Jamie Kennedy from screen movies. He was in the first three movies, actually. Um, what else was Jamie Kennedy in? Mal Malibu's Most Wanted. He's he's definitely in some stuff. You definitely know who Jamie Kennedy is. Um, and Skeet Ulrich is Billy Loomis. And Skeet Ulrich was in a whole bunch of stuff. Um, right now, he's on... It's weird, because like he still kind of looks... So it kind of looks kind of good but he's actually on the cw's riverdale so weird that that kind of full circle-ish kind of he still looks really good for his age not, not really good like still looks kind of great for his age um but he was in the craft <laughs> he's always played some weird guy in a teenage angst kind of movie uh but he was in the craft he was the 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 asshole dude that became like her stalker so he was in the craft um, along with Nev Campbell and he's on right now CW's Riverdale and he is FP Jones on Riverdale right now so this was our main cast but again at the time this is in 1996 we all we know all these names now but this is in 1996 nobody knew who the fuck these kids were so when it came to the promotional material um, one of the big things that they did and if you actually notice it if you go out and google it is that Drew Barrymore is all over the promotional material at the time, Drew Barrymore was like the hottest thing since sliced bread. She was like the film version of Beyonce out here. Like everybody wanted Drew Barrymore. And Drew Barrymore, I, I believe I've, I've read this in a whole bunch of stuff. I've seen it in videos. So I'm just going to go with it. Um, I think that that's true that they actually offered her. They wrote Sydney with her in mind. Um, and I think she really, really wanted it. But I, from what I've heard is like contractually, I think she was doing something else. And like she couldn't she couldn't do both movies or both show or something like that at the same time. She couldn't do them both. She couldn't handle both commitments at the same time, schedule wise. Um, but she still wanted to be in the movie. And so here's the thing. So you got this huge movie coming out. Now, imagine if you got this huge movie coming out and you see, I don't know, Denzel Washington all on the promotional material. So Denzel Washington's on all the posters and everything. And when you get to the movie, Denzel White, it's a scary movie. Denzel Washington dies in the first five minutes. It, it'll fucked you up, didn't it? Well, that's what happened in 1996. <laughs> you had the, the most famous character, the most famous person front and center on all the promotional material. And literally in the first five minutes of the film, they gone. Okay. So that really kind of like took audiences like completely for like a, a 360 flip around. Like what the hell is going on? If the most famous person on the poster ain't going to survive, then what the hell is this movie like? What are we in for? Like, buckle up, buttercup, because this is about to be a bumpy motherfucking ride. And that's exactly what it was in 1996. So, again, that opening scene with the iconic phone ringing. Everybody knows Scream by the character Ghostface and also by the phone call that you're going to get. And somebody's going to ask you, what's your favorite scary movie? With that very, very distinct voice. That's how this film started off. And that's where that, that kind of iconic first phone call came from. And it was Drew Barrymore 
um, that was delivering that scene. And when I say she went out brutally, like it was, I mean, Halloween and definitely Nightmare on Elm Street had some brutal kills to that point. But this was, I mean, but Freddie was like doing dream shit. You know what I mean? Like you was expecting people to get sucked into mattresses and blood fountains coming out. Like this was just brutal <laughs> for this little high school girl. This was straight brutal. So again, that was one of the, the big things about it was that first opening scene. And that became a, a theme in Scream as well. Every Scream has a different opening scene that's just crazy, 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 crazy. And kind of sets the tone for the rest of it. Um, just kind of moving about. So let's say we look at Sydney. Again, this is played by Nev Campbell, completely un really kind of unknown at the time. But Nev Campbell played the hell out of this role the hell she is like top 10 final girl of all times she's smart um every single movie she gets smarter and smarter honestly though after the first one though it, i feel like this it would have been 10 other things that i would have done good god was the loudest motorcycle i've ever heard in my life um, but Sydney is definitely like top tier final girl of all time. Um, she's smart. Um, she kicks ass. Like she don't play no games with people. You know what I mean? Like she, she's killing people left and right when she needs to. Like you throw, I'll run. But if you corner me, I'm going to fight my way out of it. So Sydney was that person. She didn't overact either. She was always very grounded as an actress in the role. Even though there were some times where I felt like the plot was kind of like, ah, like y'all tried it that was a little corny but again nev campbell played the hell out of the role of sydney prescott she was fabulous my other favorite character is definitely Stu. Stu, Stu, Stu. i don't care that he's a killer Stu, <laughs> Stu is like the the comedian him and randy Stu and randy are kind of like neck and neck for me but Stu, that last scene in the movie was like everything for me that was literally like my favorite scene. So actually, I'll just go into that. My favorite scene of the movie is right after the reveal. The reveal is something in every screen movie that you anticipate. Because again, it's a murder mystery. You're watching the movie and the whole time, yeah, you're entertained. Yeah, you're jumping at the scares. But you're trying to figure out, all right, who is the actual killer? Now, there are some things that don't date very well watching the screen movies. Like things that make them suspicious that would not be suspicious at all by 2020 standards. So, for example, um, one of the first the first scene, the first time where Sydney is actually like face to face with the killer. So he calls her, you know, we go through the whole what's your scary movie? What's your favorite scary movie? She thinks that it's Randy, but it's actually not. It's the killer. And as soon as she hangs up, she's attacked. Well, as soon as the killer like gets away, she like hides from the killer. He slips off and then immediately Billy shows up. Billy, her boyfriend, shows up. And as soon as he shows up, he drops a cell phone. Now, listen. <laughs> now again and by 2020 standards you're like oh once you heard he dropped his cell phone probably your first thought was oh i hope it wasn't the iphone and the screen cracked right well in 1996 immediately everybody was like oh he the killer he why you got a cell phone what do you need a cell phone for sounds ridiculous now like eight-year-olds have cell phones but you know what i mean like right now but in 1996 they don't have no damn cell phone but like drug dealers and government officials <laughs> which is kind of funny now and it was cool because looking back at it i just started laughing because i'm like oh it was like that very first nokia phone that had snake on it you remember that 
I might be telling on myself, but I used to play me some snake honey on my Nokia phone. Then I remember when they made it smaller and it didn't have a little antenna on it. I had a little tiny gray one. Ah, that was when it was cool for phones to be teeny tiny. Now they're just getting bigger and bigger. Like at this point, I might as well just walk around my iPad up to my face at this point. But anywho, so again, coming to Scream, like all those different things that, that you're looking for. That was like one of the clues that, you know, is he the killer? Is he not the killer? Um, but that's one of those things that literally does not date well. It's just kind of fun to look back at it now. Uh, but my favorite scene in the movie is definitely the reveal. So once you, I, I did like the fake out. At the time, the fake out was kind of like, it was unheard of, right? Because you saw, you saw her get a phone call. Once he dropped that cell phone and the police showed up at the house, Billy got arrested. So he was in jail at this time. While he was in jail, Sydney got a call from the killer. You know what I mean? So it was kind of like, all right, well, it can't be Billy. So now your mind starts to thinking again, like, all right, well, who else looks suspicious? So again, that was the, the really fun part about watching these movies was the reveal. And the fact that we saw Billy get stabbed. Like we saw a killer with a knife in a ghost face costume right after they knocked them boots. <laughs> can, I, can I pause for a second and just... The fact that it, when you watch this movie, go please go watch it. I want to say all three of the films are available. It's on one of these streaming platforms. I watched three of them back to back on one of them. I want to say that they're on Tubi. I'm pretty sure they're on Tubi. And Scream 4 right now is definitely on Hulu. Um, but when I say like, Sydney was like literally holding on to her virginity with like all her might. And just at the, the weirdest moment, you decided to give it up. Like, it was just, <laughs> there was nothing about that night that I would have been like, yep, this is going to be the day that I lose my virginity. I'm, I'm going to do it today with you in this place. I, I would have thought none of those things. It would not have been with him. It would not have been in somebody else's house, in somebody's parents' room. And it would not have been while a killer is running around murdering everybody <laughs> that was like the the worst plot point in the movie but i think they put it in there because at the same time randy's going over the whole big speech that we get pretty much in every screen movie about the rules of surviving a horror film so again the reveal is like the biggest biggest thing that was just something weird that i just thought was just like really funny uh, the reveal so once you saw Billy get killed and then all of a sudden he comes stumbling down the stairs you're like oh Billy you're alive you're actually alive and then he just completely turns on you and honestly it's one of those things where it's kind of like I'm trying to think of a movie that has like a, a big twist in it like a signs right it's kind of like everything was kind of in front of you the whole time like if you actually really really paid attention but you didn't really, really pay attention because you, you're not looking for him to be the killer. And then once we had that fake out, it was kind of like, oh, we crossed him off the list. But Wes Craven said, uh, no, ma'am, no, ma'am. <laughs> Everything that your eyes can deceive you. Everything that glitters ain't gold, baby. Uh-uh. Not only that, but this was kind of like the here I am. I'm the killer. And oh, wait. But there's more. I got an accomplice too. And Stu just comes around the corner like, ha ha, surprise, Sydney. That, the double killer thing, that was completely different for horror at the time. Again, we've been talking about lone wolves for the most part this whole time. It's either a lone wolf or like a pack of people. So you think of like the hills have eyes. 
just a pack of crazy cannibalistic deformed hillbillies out there running around shooting arrows and you know eating people alive or you have like a michael myers who's just walking around by himself with a kitchen knife so this whole tag team you know what i mean smart killer fake out we got cell phones we call in voice changers that was completely different and the reveal kind of tells you everything about the movie every single film in the scream franchise had a different reveal and it was always tied back somehow to like the main storyline so the reveal in this film the motivation was kind of <laughs> the motivation was kind of it was kind of very typical but again the ride to get there wasn't so it turns out that sydney's mom um who again we we already knew she was dead coming into the movie and we knew that sydney helped put her i'm using air quotes like you can actually see me her killer away cotton weary um, because her mom was having an affair with cotton which of course she as a high school stud student doesn't know this so she's she just sees something that lets her know this man was with my mom and there was hit her blood on his jacket and i saw him leave from her I, I, I can't remember like what actually happened if she saw him leave the house or you know he he saw him leave her mom I, I can't remember what actually happened i think he saw her i think she saw him leave the house uh, and she testified in court and actually put him away for her mom's murder. But in actuality, her mom was having a full on consensual affair and, and not just with cotton, mind you, um, <laughs> to use a line from the movie, Maureen Prescott was throwing her shit, <laughs> throwing her shit all over town like she was Sharon Stone or something. And by Stu's standards, she was no fucking Sharon Stone. Okay. Maureen Prescott was laying it low and spreading it wide all over town, including on Billy's father. Dropping it like it was hot, but not being able to pick it up. Gotta be able to pick it back up. So once Billy found out about it, he was like, oh, Maureen got to go. And Stu, his... Yeah, Stu's motivation, he just crazy. <laughs> he just wanted to get into some shit. Stu just seems like the type of guy that was just up for anything. Like his best friend came to him and was like, hey, we're going to murder my girlfriend's mom. You down? Hey, why not? That's literally Stu. When I say he gives me, like, he's so much comedic, like the perfect comedic timing as well. Matthew Lillard, go boy. You you just go. You just go. Um, but again, Billy's motivation is simple. You know, your mom cheated with my dad that affair is what led my mom to skip town so his mom is gone she's not dead or anything she just is like you know what i'm out of here fuck this shit i'm out now, how, now that's the other thing like so a woman gets cheated on she decides to abandon her child too <laughs> like, you're not mad at your mama but you mad at mine like your dad had an affair you didn't kill your daddy your mama abandoned you you didn't go after her you killed my mama crazy but anyway so that was Billy's motivation. Again, Stu will tell you, you know, peer pressure is his motivation. You have to watch the movie. If, if for anything, just watch the last 10 minutes after the reveal and just watch Stu. He is the most hilarious person in the world. One of the greatest horror villains, in my opinion. Um, so again, that reveal was like top notch to me. I didn't see it coming. I don't think anybody saw it coming. You just didn't expect, you were expecting them to be like in some sort of peril this whole time. And all the time they've just been orchestrating all of these murders all over town i really really love i'm actually link um put a link in the description to um the guy on youtube's video but there's this one guy on um, youtube that actually makes videos where he kind of breaks down who 
between the two of them is doing each murder and it's kind of cool because you once you relook at it it's a, a great way to kind of look back at a film and like spot things that you didn't notice before like one of the things that he points out is you know that it's Stu by how he holds the knife Stu always holds the knife a certain way and he kills people a certain way Billy holds the knife a different type of way and he always like stabs people a particular way as well not only that these two are crazy and when we say that they're like plotting to like set up Sydney's father they drag him out of a closet he's been kidnapped the whole time so everybody just thought he was missing he told Sydney he was going to a business meeting and he just was never around but all these phone calls throughout the whole movie have all been coming from his phone and that's why everybody thinks that it's him he never got on his flight he never checked into his hotel his car is gone he just disappeared and it's literally like a, a the one-year anniversary of Sydney's mom's death so they just think that he got triggered by the day and he's just walking around killing people which again from if you were watching this in 1996 that's literally what you were thinking you were like oh it's Sydney's dad it's it's just Sydney's dad because we're used to just having that one killer and just like a very simple motivation but this completely different once they drag Neil out of the closet he's like duct taped all together and everything um <laughs> one of the craziest parts of the movie is that they start stabbing each other because they need to make it look like you know they were a part of this huge struggle so Billy stabs Stu Stu stabs Billy <laughs> so and so it can look like really really real that they really like struggled and they're the only two survivors in this crazy foolishness I love how Sydney ends up a being able to turn the tables on them because they literally just turn their back on her like that was another plot point in the movie that was kind of stupid like once they decided it was like all right we're gonna stab each other like they completely ignore their hostage <laughs> like just, they just turn their backs on it just like watch how crazy we are we just want you to know how crazy we are i mean you already know because you know we didn't kill all these people but we want you to really see how crazy we gonna stab each other <laughs> like but you get you literally just turned your back on her so she slipped again smart i've seen many a horror movies where i'm like girl he looking that way just run get up go <laughs> like, what are you doing go out the front door so self-aware and i love the fact that she's actually smart enough to do that she flips the tables she calls them she gives them the whole what's your favorite scary movie fucks with their heads a little bit and <sighs> fucking kills it not only did she kill it but she did the goddamn double tap oh the the double tap yes hit the double tap that's the problem that everybody always has like i just always wish that somebody would just <laughs> when you get michael myers shoot him then stab him then chop every limb off off his body chop those limbs into little individual pieces take those individual pieces and take them to opposite ends of the earth and then burn them then take the ashes and put them in water stir them around like you're trying to dissolve it in tea steam it so that the steam just evaporates put the steam in a jar and then break the jar off the edge of mount kilimanjaro that is how you kill michael myers okay she says i'm not waiting for nobody to pop up i don't care that you shot him i'm gonna pop his ass again right in the noggin <laughs> billy out <laughs> Stu is definitely gone he got that nightmare on no, they were actually watching Halloween, which is kind of funny. They're watching Halloween. He got that straight Jamie Lee Curtis scream right in the face. So let's talk about the rules of the horror movie. And if Scream actually followed its own rules. 
and this is kind of interesting this is one of uh another reason why one of my other favorite characters is randy in the movie randy is like us right i would say that the scream movies are made for like somebody like me you know what i mean they're made for like really goofy you know nerdy people that you know watch breakdowns on uh on movies that watch all the angles and why they shoot it this way and you know who was this director and where did they come from what was their motivation you know this character's name this because of this reason so literally like i'm one of those people randy is also one of those people which made it like really really great to watch it because you felt like the movie was being made by movie nerds and it included a movie nerd in it who was saying all the things that you normally say when you're watching a scary movie every time me and my friends like watch a, a halloween or a friday on elm street you know what's gonna happen and you can kind of predict you know when you watch a movie and you can kind of predict it because it's in a certain genre you know in a romantic comedy there's gonna be some girl who has a great life and then she, with an uh, a super relaxed job like she works at a magazine or some stupid shit and she writes about fashion all day long and she doesn't for some reason she's able to afford like an eight thousand dollar a month apartment in manhattan something comes along knocks her on her feet and she meets some guy that they don't hit it off well right away and then something happens and they have to struggle together and then she understands that he's there for her that's all she needed to begin with was to love herself and to love somebody else and not look for love but just let it happen end of movie like you know those things randy is that person that knows all the rules he knows the outline he can guess the ending after like the first 15 minutes of the movie he was our character and in every screen movie that he's in he always gives us the rules for surviving a horror movie so here's the rules that he gave us in screen and this is like one of my favorite scenes as well so one hold your hold your dramatic responses you may not survive the movie if you have sex <laughs> keep in mind that at the time where he's giving this particular rule uh guess who's upstairs knocking the boots for the first time yeah sydney sydney so we definitely broke that rule because she definitely survived but however billy did not no billy did not he gone he gone he got one to the dome he gone and this was kind of funny because it, it is kind of true that there's something about in horror movies and I, I love another movie that kind of like plays off the horror trope which is called cabin in the woods probably one of the best horror movies of all time if you've never seen it before dear god go watch it right now i think it's on netflix it's somewhere out there in the universe go watch it it's either on netflix or hulu but go watch it right now but after you watch scream um but that's one of those big horror movie tropes is that especially like um think of friday the 13th the whole reason why jason is like going after everybody is because he ended up drowning as a kid well his mom first and then him um is that he ended up drowning as a kid because all the camp counselors were too busy looking at each other's insides versus watching all the children that they were supposed to be taking care of right so like there's this always this thing in in horror movies that you know that the kids that are just partying and drinking all stuff, they're always the first to go always the first to go they're literally just the bodies to pile up and you accept it even though they're like teenagers you accept it because ah, they need to be punished they're not supposed to be drinking they're not supposed to be fucking but they are so it's always like the the final girl is always like the most virtuous the, the sweetest of all the one you know what i mean so that's one of those rules it's kind of like a yeah i see where you was going with that randy second rule 
you may not survive the horror movie if you drink or do drugs again it's kind of like a play off the first one right if you're bad if you do anything that's fucked up that you're not supposed to be doing because you're young you're not supposed to be drinking or doing drugs you're gonna die the killer is gonna get you and you're gonna die okay at the, at this part in the scene they're literally at a party at a high school party and they all have a beer in their hands which is kind of funny as well third one you may not survive the movie if you say i'll be right back <laughs> hello or who's there i don't actually remember him saying like the the other two parts the hello or the who's there but he definitely said that don't say i'll be right back because you won't be back you'll be dead and Stu gives one of the most memorable funny dark comedy jokes i, I love it he's like hey you want a beer yeah sure i'll be right back <laughs> it's also something that they kind of throw in every movie as well every single screen movie has somebody saying i'll be right back and i feel like it's kind of like a nod to this particular and they always die so i feel like it's a nod to this particular moment so if you watch all four of them look out for who says it in each movie i'll be right back keep in mind that even though Stu was a killer he said i'll be right back he he did die so the the rule does hold up the rule does hold up so what would i rate scream now looking back on it from then and now how do i rate it i would actually probably give it the same rating as i did before i loved scream when it came out i remember watching it when i was younger it's, it terrified the shit out of me then um it doesn't scare me anymore but i just love to watch it it's still entertaining it still holds up it still does make me jump at some moments um i love the whole meta i probably love the whole meta thing even more now because i'm i'm even more of a super film nerd than I was when I was younger. Um, so I love this movie. I would say the best kill in the movie is definitely going to be Tatum. The fact that she, if you've never seen the movie, it's Rose McGowan gets cornered by the killer in the garage after she goes out there for more beer. And for whatever reason, a, a struggle ensues and she can't get away from him. She can't get the garage door to open. So she says that the next best thing is to try to go through the cat door. Through the cat door. <laughs> she tried to go through the cat door in the garage, got stuck. He hit the button to make it go up. Boom, no more Tatum. So I'm going to give that my best kill for this, for this particular screen movie. My favorite character, I've told you a million times, is definitely Stu. Matthew Lillard, I don't care that he's a killer. Every line that he has, he he steals every single scene. I've had people tell me and my friends tell me, he's like, yeah, he's a little bit much in the movie. I don't care nothing about that. I love it. I'm a little much. So he kind of matches my energy. As far as the reveal itself, keep in mind, I'm comparing this in my mind to all the screams. I would say this this is the best reveal in my opinion so because I'm just comparing it to only the Scream movies I'm gonna give it a five out of five because at this point I mean again we were literally upending tradition like horror tradition so even the fact that now if if this movie came out now it wouldn't be as jarring as it was in 1996 but because it was the first time we'd ever had you know a killer situation like this where there was two of them and they were a part of the main cast the main story and you didn't know who it was the whole time i'm going to give the reveal a five a solid five out of five as far as the killer's motivation yeah i'm you know what i'm just going to give that a four out of five it was it was still basic like even though the the reveal itself of who they were was shocking 
why Billy was doing it. You know what I mean? It was kind of like, a, okay, it was still kind of stupid. Because again, your, your dad had the affair. Not only did your dad have the affair, but your mother abandoned you. You ain't feel like using all this energy to go after her, but we're going to do all this plotting and, and murdering and stabbing. But okay. So in motivation, I give it like a three out of five. I feel like it was really basic. The only thing that, that would, the thing that kicked it up for me a notch to four out of five is Stu. Because Stu's just like, ah, I'm a ride or die friend. <laughs> I'm just down for the cause. Whatever you want to do. It's Friday. I ain't got shit else to do. Let's go murder some people. And then the, the overall feel of the movie. I'm comparing it to Scream. I'm not going to, I'm going to try to remove the whole mindset of like all of the other like horror movies that I've ever seen. This is definitely like one of my top 10. I'm gonna give it a four out of five. It's not a perfect scary movie. Um, just because there are some kind of goofy and stupid moments, some plot holes. There are some jokes and one-liners that don't land <laughs> that are just kind of corny. I love Dewey. He's like the most uneffective cop in the world. Like I would not want him on a, my police force like at all <laughs> like, <laughs> like you see all the problems that never mind let, let me let me keep it light let me keep it light and just keep it to horror movies but Dep deputy dewey is just no no you do not want him protecting you he's not gonna do anything and every single movie dewey finds some way to get hurt <laughs> he don't hardly save nobody he always finds a way to get hurt but it's it always oh, hard is in it though he has so much heart so i i give the whole movie itself I'm gonna say a four out of five yeah compared to all the screen movies it, it's a great film again it completely changed the genre um but it wasn't perfect there, there's some there's some definitely some holes that was in there you know what I mean some weird corny stuff but it was still a great a great 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 movie I give scream itself the first scream of four out of five so when it comes to like even like the whole horror genre itself I mean again this completely changed the game at the time so I love this movie. I'm going to give it a thumbs up. I'm going to recommend that you go out and watch it. Um, so how did you like this? Again, just kind of sitting down, just kind of breaking down stuff. You guys wanted to do more candid talks on the podcast. Hope you like this. There's going to be some videos coming up. I'm literally going to do every single screen movie. I've written, um, I wrote the post for the first three. So I'm still writing the post for the fourth one. I'm trying to see how much film footage that I can actually get to post in it to give you guys a lot more of a visual but I would definitely recommend that you go out and you watch these movies especially during spooky season it's October go get scared you're in the house anyway what do you got to do nothing watch screen but anyway um thank you guys so so much for continuing to support the content and just for like telling me keeping me honest and getting in my ass like where's a podcast like i don't want to read i just want to listen to something on my way to work i hear you i got you boo i hear you send me some more ideas i am purposefully staying away so I, i've been getting a lot of emails about can you talk about the debate can you talk about this i i am I feel like if you if you follow me either on Instagram, you follow me on Facebook uh, or you read the blog, you you absolutely know where I stand politically and how I feel. You know what I mean? Like, you know where I'm standing. You probably know exactly what's going to happen with my ballot that I've already mailed off. Um, you, you know how I stand. So because things are just kind of so crazy and divided and I, I get exhausted, I get exhausted looking at my news feed. I get exhausted watching the news every day. 
I just feel like I want to focus on something completely different, which is why I've been doing so many movie and TV blogs and reviews. We, we I feel like we need an escape right now, right? We're all kind of inundated with the world is literally burning up. 2020 is fucked. Fuck 2020. <laughs> like 2020 is a pile of bullshit right now. So I'm so happy to kind of get to, I'm so happy to wrap it. I was so excited for 2020. I cannot even tell y'all how excited I was to get to 2020 but fuck 2020 like this this is some bullshit so i just feel like we need a, a different type of vibe so i didn't want to focus on anything too too heavy so i'm not going to talk about i'm not going to really go into politics but i will tell you probably in every single post that i put up until november 3rd i'm telling you to vote i, I don't care who your candidate is <laughs> again you probably you know exactly probably who mine is uh, i'm not going to tell you who to vote for that, that's not that's not our role but we have this right and we need to exercise this right. Um, the way things are going right now, it, it's it is it is bad out here, y'all. It, it is crazy out here. Keep yourself safe. You know what I mean. I don't mean just from COVID and everything, but keep yourself safe. You know, keep your eyes peeled. Be aware of your surroundings and everything. Um, when you see something, say something. And I mean, if something has happened to somebody else, we need to take care of each other more. We've lost the ability to have empathy. We, we're embracing apathy way too much and we, we're losing that sense of community. And I think that's what's kind of lending itself to a lot of the issues that we're having right now is that everybody's just kind of out for themselves. And because of that, we're, we're not able to collectively kind of sail through. This is a time where everybody has to be like on the same page, especially when it comes to COVID. Um, but that's that's not really happening right now. But that's OK. That's OK. I'm hoping and I'm praying every single day that, you know, something changes or, you know, we, we, we come out of this funk that we're in right now, but, you know, just keep vigilant, you know, stay safe. Um, I'm not going to tell you what to do, but again, just kind of stay safe and vote, vote. It is the, the one thing that you have that nobody can take away from you. It is the voice that you have. You know, we don't have a lot of money, especially not now. We don't have any money to donate to, to PACs or anything. We're not in those rooms when these people are making decisions about our lives and laws and things like that. But the, the way that we have our voice is that we go to that ballot box, we go to that poll and we decide who we want to make decisions for us. You know what I mean? We decide, all right, I like you because you said you want to do X, Y, and Z. I believe also in X, Y, and Z. I'm going to vote for you. That's your voice. So here's my thing. When it comes to anybody, my friends in my circle, if you do not vote, don't complain to me about anything, anything. Don't complain to me about what well, this person said this. Well, did you see this new law? Well, did you see this? Did you see that? Don't complain about anything. If you didn't put nothing on this bottle, don't hold your cup out for a sip. Don't do it. You had your chance to put your opinion out there. And you chose not to participate. So again, this is the power that you have. And if you weren't powerful in your vote, they wouldn't be talking to you. You wouldn't see it blasted across, you know, every screen, every 30 seconds. You wouldn't hear people like me talking about it every five seconds. For whatever reason, I don't know why everybody has my cell phone number, but I keep getting these random text messages. I keep getting these random text messages from everybody like, hey, this is Mike with Vote, vote America. We just wanted to make sure you. this would not be happening if your voice was not was not was not as vital as you think it is you know don't rely on 
you know, my, well, my one vote doesn't make a difference. It absolutely, think about how many other people may be thinking that same thing. And then we have 2 million people that don't vote because they all thought that their one vote didn't make a difference. You know what I mean? It's kind of like when you go to the DMV and you're like, well, if I go early, you know, I'll definitely get seen. But everybody went early because they all had the same idea as you. <laughs> it's kind of like that. Use your voice. Definitely vote. Now that I'm off that, um, again, I'm going to kind of stay away from the political stuff, but I'm definitely going to tell you guys to vote in every single post that I make from this point forward. I'm probably going to focus a lot more, again, on film and television. I don't really know. So we'll probably definitely tag team in on some. I'll probably bring some guests in. Um, a lot of people um, always send um, uh, messages to Octavia for Octavia's journal. So, yes, she has a new post that's going to be coming out in November. And you might actually get to hear her voice for the first time. Ah, kind of strip away a little of the mystery of Octavia. So she might be joining me for a podcast. We're going to try to kind of coordinate that because we actually live in two different places, like literally two different states. So we're going to try to coordinate that as best as possible. Um, I'm trying to get that together like sound wise, you know, just to make sure it, she doesn't sound like weird because she's not physically with me while we're recording the podcast so trying to figure out some ways to do that if you guys have any you know recommendations for me or you know what what would you suggest suggestions recommendations i'm here for it let me know drop me a line um go to the blog there's new stuff being posted um i'm putting a lot more lifestyle stuff on there as well and of course every monday we're dropping some new stuff about how to keep yourself as productive as possible. So check out the blog, MickeyJKing.com. Keep coming back to the podcast. I promise I'm definitely posting on the blog definitely at least once or twice a week. I'm going to definitely try to make sure that I focus a lot more on the podcast because this is what you guys tell me that you want the most is the podcast. You want you want somebody to talk to or you want to just hear something <laughs> while you're cleaning or doing something like that. Um, so I'm hearing you guys. I'm, I'm definitely hearing you guys. I'm trying to expand into the visual medium itself, I'm trying to make more YouTube videos, but um, it takes a lot and I'm trying to kind of nail down editing. I'm a baby at it, I promise, but I'm going to get it. Um, so I'm going to be trying to pump out a lot more podcasts for you guys since this is the thing that you guys respond to the most. So let me know what you guys want me to watch next. Um, we're probably going to be focused on the Scream series for a while, but I'm interested to see like, what should I watch next? I'll tell you what I'm, what I'm watching right now. I'm watching, I just finished Lovecraft. Lovecraft Country. I'm going to try to bring Octavia or somebody in on that conversation. I feel like that would be a nice conversation to have back and forth because Lovecraft Country has some deep elements in it. I never read, I didn't realize it was based on a book. I knew that it was based on H.P. Lovecraft's kind of like stories. I've read a few of his stories, um, but literally, like Lovecraft Country itself is a book. Like that is a self-contained story. What you're watching on television is literally a book by itself. So I've never read that. I didn't even realize that it was a book. Um, I might actually download it on Audible, maybe listen to it over the next couple of weeks. But I think that might be a podcast because th that show child, is something. I will tell you another show that I really, if you like Lovecraft Country, watch. <laughs> feels weird saying that. Go look at Watchmen. can say watch Watchmen. I just felt weird. But HBO, HBO got some good, good stuff, y'all. Listen, okay, here's just HBO shows to watch. Watchmen, dear God, if you like Lovecraft Country, you will absolutely adore Watchmen. Now, I'm, I'm a comic book person, so I knew all of Watchmen. I have the comic books. 
Um, I watch the movie. I would I would say you don't have to necessarily read the comic books. No, you don't have to read the comic books to, to understand what's going on. But I will tell you that watching the movie before you watch the show will definitely help you. And I believe Watchmen is actually on HBO, like the actual movie itself, the Zack Snyder movie is actually on HBO as well. Um, Euphoria. Oh, my God. Euphoria is so good. Um, I need to pick up Westworld again. I, I kind of put it down. Westworld, it, it's sometimes it drags. It's, it's really good, though. But sometimes it drags and it's just long for no reason. It tries to be extra complicated. And sometimes it tries too hard to be like super complicated in my mind sometimes or maybe i'm just stupid and i don't i can't follow everything that maybe that's probably the best explanation to it um but i would definitely say watch westworld um and of course oh anytime i have an opportunity to plug game of thrones dear god i will do it have you watched game of thrones if not what is wrong with you game of thrones is literally the best television show that has ever jesus that has ever been created in the history of earth don't add me I said it and I meant it. In the words of the great philosopher Nene Leakes, I said what I said and I ain't changing it. And on that note, I'm going to leave you guys to that. We'll talk next time about Scream 2. Again, hit me up with more recommendations, more ideas. What do you guys want to hear about? What shows are you guys watching? What movies are you guys watching? What series are you watching? What should I watch next? What's the new streaming service? Hit up the blog, MickeyJKing.com. Keep coming back to the podcast, Me and a Mike podcast. We're available on SoundCloud and we're also available on Apple Podcasts as well. Love you guys. Bye.